This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. everybody and welcome to Keep Screaming, a podcast where two best friends dissect horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson and this is my co-host B-Bass. Hello. We are back for the third week in a row. Wow. Um, we, Such overachievers. I know, after underachieving. Just for one week though. And we're double overachieving because this episode is going to be two movies. It's so our first time doing this. With two movies that maybe don't deserve that distinction, but oh, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we're going to be in Disneyland this weekend, uh, this upcoming weekend, so uh, we're knocking this one out a little early. I mean, you guys will get it at the same time, but... For us, it's early. Yeah. Also, uh, we're going to Disneyland, so we didn't have a whole lot of time to do stuff in between the last episode and this one, so sorry if our pop culture check-in's a little light. If you are a new listener, what our pop culture check-in is, um, well, while we do spend every episode going, we pick usually one film, today it is two, and we go over uh, every aspect of the film. So we go by kill by kill, um, but we also go over directors, poster, um, what's the word for soundtrack? That's not score. score. There we go. Um, What's that thing for that music? Yeah. Everything, uh, the acting, the writing, we go The kills, through, the killer. Yeah, the kills, the killer, we go through everything, um, and then we assign it our ranking on our list, which you can find on our website, which is at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list, or you can go to keepscreaming.com, which is the website. You can also find us on all social media at keepscreaming, or nope, at screamingcast, <laughs> always get that mixed up, um, and we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify one day, hopefully. Um, but before we dive into those movies, B and I do a quick pop culture check-in where we talk about things that we're reading, watching, listening to, excited about in general, because while we do love slashers, we also love pop culture. Um, so I have just two quick ones this week, and I'll just jump into those. I'm sure most of you are horror fans if you're listening to this, so I can almost guarantee that you have heard of The Haunting of Hill House, which dropped on Netflix. B and I gushed about Flanagan, mm-hmm. either last episode or the episode before. We recorded know. them back to back, so yeah. they're a little hazy, like they blend in together. Um, but it is a 10 episode series from Mike Flanagan um, based on the novel by, I think, Shirley Jackson, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, so it's a classic haunted house novel. It's very, like, well acclaimed and very famous. Yeah, it is Shirley Jackson. Um, yeah, um, 1959. Um, I'm currently reading it. Yeah, B is reading it before she watches it because she has. To, I understand. Like, I I usually like to read things before I watch them too because it's hard to get those images out of my head once I've seen them. This, and I won't get into spoilers because B hasn't seen it, and I know she will. But it is fantastic. Like B was saying, um, Flanagan does this thing with like family drama that is just so good. And this is 10 episodes of him being able to flesh that family drama out. Mm -hmm. That's why I love TV. Yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. And I've seen a lot of people talk about like, oh, this is boring. And it's, it can't, I understand it can be a little slow. It's, it's presented like the jump scare that we're used to, but it's not. It feels, and this is part of the reason I love it. It feels 
at its core, very old school horror. Like, very 30s, 40s, 50s, that, like, familial, like, kind of Victorian... Gothic. Gothic horror. And the the atmosphere and the Mm -hmm. set pieces are beautiful. But the thing is, the scares, when they do happen, are current horror scares. And they're, they're, I mean, they're Flanagan. They're terrifying. Um, And it's really great, too. The cast is fantastic. Uh, Carla Gugino's in it. Um... You know, I actually don't know the names of a lot of the actress. They're all people he's used in his other movies. Uh, B and I were texting earlier about it, and um, James Lafferty has an appearance, and he used him in Oculus. Uh, the main, the two leads from um, Ouija Creation are both in the movie. Uh, the lead from Hush is in the or is in the show. Um, it's just really, really good. And I'm on episode eight, eight now, so I have. Well, I'm almost through. So I have like two and a half, or an episode and a half left. And there's only been one episode that I thought like fell a little flat and got a little boring. Um, but other than that, I think it's just been spectacular. And you 100% need to see it. It is the perfect, like, um, the perfect thing to pair with Halloween. Like, just as soon as you see the house in the moonlight with the fog, it just feels so perfect for this this time of the year. Um, the other thing I did was I haven't, I've only been watching that in this, in the very little time I have to watch anything, but I did power through We Sold Our Souls by Grady Hendrix. Um, we've also talked about him on the show. He did Horror Store and My Best Friend's Exorcism, and, um, he did a nonfiction called Paperbacks from Hell, which was really fun. This one is standard. Hendrix, just a blast. It's really, really good. It's a quick read because you just get hooked on it super fast, um, It's all about, the basic premise is, it's about a metal band that almost got big, and then they didn't, and they find out, like, our our lead character, her name is Chris, finds out, basically, that her soul has been sold to the devil, or to devils, or some sort of otherworldly beings, and she's kind of, like, fighting to figure out if she can get it back and to stop the people who took it, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. So make sure to check that out. Grady Hendrix is a blast, and um, I just really like his books because... He's really good at building, again, character dynamic. Like, he's great at building friendships and uh, character relationships, uh, but they're also just really, like, I feel like they're very fast-paced. They're, they're breezy because you just, they're easy to read, and that's not, like, a knock on him at all. It's just he's a, he has a very fluid style, and you get super hooked into it, and before you know it, you're 180 pages in. So those are the two uh, big things I've done. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I forgot. I watched Hotel Transylvania 3 last night, mm. and it was super cute. And if you like those movies, definitely check it out because it was a lot of fun, and it continues to be the only good thing that Adam Sandler's doing right now. I need to. I haven't seen any of those. I have the first two that you can borrow. I need to borrow those. Yeah, they're I, really good. Yeah, not by on purpose. You know, I love, like... Uh, horror themed kids but I just have yet to get to that one Um, I've been doing a lot of listening so I've been binging lore I love lore Um, and it's a show that I it's those of you don't know it's a podcast by Aaron Mankey um, that has gotten to be massive yeah, since it TV came out. Show so and it has two like an, books. yeah an Amazon TV show uh, two books and um, he has a very specific narration style, which I absolutely adore. He has a really um, great 
a voice for storytelling. I love the you way know, he some tells people stories. Hate him. Yeah, it drives. I, I'm like, I, how? I can't. Understand I love it. his cadence mm-hmm. and his narration. And the beginning, I like. He has great. It movies. reminds me. His intros remind me of like Twilight Zone, just because he tells like the cold cut, uh-huh. and then he's like. I'm Aramanky, and, and this is, is lore. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so good. I love it. No, yeah. it's great. Um, and he's just obviously a very super talented storyteller. He's taking all of these sort of famous lores and urban legends and um, picking out the interesting stuff, the important stuff, and fitting it into a 30-minute episode. Less um, even. Less like. usually. Yeah. They're pretty bite-sized. Um, and that you can enjoy. And he covers literally everything from werewolves to vampires to... Um, real murderers. Real murderers to people with um, like telekinetic, telekinetic yeah. um, abilities I to... Think, yeah, he's covered like spontaneous combustion. He yeah. covered the gremlins myth from World War Two. Like there's just so much cool yeah, stuff Yeah, cave. Like there's this myth about this like certain cave that like coal miners like i just listened to that episode one of his early ones and one of my favorite ones there he talks about the sort of the mythology of um not knowing if you were dead or not like now we have modern medicine and we know if you're actually dead or alive but there's all these like little things like the tags on your toes and things like that that come from superstitions and not just superstitions but old ways of doing things they used to put bells on toes because they often would think people were dead when really they were just in a deep sleep or in a coma or ill or and it's crazy and so you learn a lot too and you're learning about things sort of in like the cult and Mm -hmm. things that horror fans really appreciate so if you haven't checked it out and you do enjoy it's non-fiction although it's told he is telling retelling stories so he may be telling, talking about this family in the 40s who would sell their abilities to, um, you know, talk to the dead. Mm-hmm. Not saying that's necessarily true, but he's reiterating things that have actually happened and stories that were told. And um, it's super interesting. And I'm, like I said, the way he molds it, it's not like I've gotten into a lot of stuff where I try and read it because I'm interested on the subject and it's just super dull. Mm-hmm. I'm really academic. And he, this is lore. is like the opposite of that. Um, and he just started this special um, podcast. And, of course, I didn't write it down, so I'm going to forget it. So let me pull it up. Um, yeah, that's why I like him so much, though. Like you said, because I'm super into all that stuff, but sometimes it is hard to read because it gets a little dull. And... Um, the way he is able to narrate through those things and the way he picks and chooses, like the way he tells the story is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So his new one is called Unobscured and it's a, it's him and it's a collaboration with How Stuff Works, which is another like very mm-hmm. big yeah. um, podcast that covers a lot of interesting topics. But this one is a podcast that's going to take a specific lore-like topic and explore it in sort of long form. And this one's about the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, interesting. Um, And the first episode was super great. It's literally talking about, like, getting into the details of, like, the town dynamic and the people. Um, And I love that. I've always been super fascinated by the Salem Witch Trials. Like, I love the Crucible and, like, all that stuff. Isn't it crazy Um, we burned people alive, like, 100 years ago? Yeah. 
like, like not that, that long ago. My yeah. Mind. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so that's really cool too if you check it out. When I was seeing everybody at like the Salem Film Festival, I kept thinking like it was like right after I listened to the first episode. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so jealous people are there. And also they should listen to this podcast. I wanna go. So. Yeah, I know. So that um, is definitely something I've been doing. I've been like catching up on that. Um, honestly, because for whatever reason, the Audible app doesn't allow you to download books on the app. Like, I can't purchase a book with my credit through the app. I can just access my library. That's weird. So I have to like go on my computer and actually access. And sometimes I'm just, just, I don't know, I'm lazy. And so I went like weeks after I finished my book and I didn't have a book to listen to. Which was, I'm kind of happy now because I went back to like old lore episodes I'd never gotten into. Um, but I did start um, The Hunting on Hill House and it's really good. And it's right up my alley. Um, I really love the sort of more traditional writing style of a lot of novels from like the 50s and 60s. And just the way to tell stories was just different then. Way different. And um, there's, you know, a lot of quirky characters in this. And I hear that um, the TV show adaptation is very different. I'm sure um, it is. Like completely different. Well, like, really how long just is the took... book? Not very long, right? No. It's pretty small. It's like six hours yeah. to listen to, you have to which drag is it short. Out into ten episodes. Yeah. yeah. No, six hours in an audiobook is short. And it definitely like moves way into modern times. Yeah. Like so I can understand a lot of like adapting to that. Yeah, and so I'm excited about that too, because it seems like I'm gonna be able to enjoy both in mm-hmm. very different ways. I always love when they Take the idea of something and then make it their own, especially when you're talking a novel from 59 to a TV show in 2018. Yeah. 2018, yeah. Um, are you, do you have a favorite character yet? Um, no. Okay. Yeah, so. I want to know. Because, like, I have a favorite and I want to I mean, there's if, only if, like, four trans- characters. Oh, what? And it's, so the book starts off with this doctor who is bringing um, these two women who have sort of psychic type abilities to Hill House um, because he's wanting to um, see if all the rumors and stories um, about Hill House are true. And the condition of him being able to conduct this study is that he has to have a member of the family. So he wrinkles in this sort of like um, screw up nephew and he comes along too. Interesting. Um, and so I, I haven't really gotten to know a ton of the characters yet. I'm like, that's already an hour and a half. so vastly different. Yeah, the show's about a family of seven. That There's no in. family. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just stories about like the people who previously lived in the house. Gotcha. Okay. And so that's what they kind of explore, but that's not why they're at the house, and that's not how they get there. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that's what I hear. That it's really completely different. Um, which is great. I love that. Either I think it needs to be a pretty faithful adaptation or, or it needs to different. be super yeah. different and mm-hmm. just take take the ideas from it. And like I said, when it's such a huge time difference and already there's so many things, like one of the main characters, like there's this whole part about how she like bought pants to come on the trip. And how her mom would be outraged if she saw her wearing slacks, Definitely you know. Would not be relevant so, like, now. yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be relevant, you know. And so, those things obviously kind of have to change. You can take that personality of the character and this weird anxiety that she has, but that's about it. So, 
I've been doing lots of listening, um, and then I actually haven't been watching, like, any horror or Halloween stuff. Jericho's fringe. It is. So I started Jericho with my husband, um, to his dismay. He hates watching stuff together because, like, I'll fall asleep, and then he gets ahead of me. And this and then is you why make him wait. Yeah, and then I make him wait, which is what he's doing right now in the other room, being mad that he can't watch Jericho. Um, but Jericho is a long gone TV show. Dude, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, four? Yeah, I think maybe 2005. Yeah. Um, it stars Scream alumni Ski Ulrich. Uh, 06, um, yeah. Yeah, so 06. Um, only lasted two seasons. Lasted a season, got canceled, got like one of the first shows to have like a fan bring back. And he brought it back for, I think, seven episodes for the second season. And we are just finishing up the first season. So we're almost done with it. Um, It's very um, under the dome, like um, without the dome. But really um, just sort of the dynamic of a town that's dealing with basically an apocalypse type setting. Um, I think this show is just very before its time. I keep watching it and thinking like, Holy shit, if this show was like out now or came out like a few years ago, it would have been huge. Like Walking Dead time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it does so many things similar to like, I mean, Under the Dome wasn't that successful and I won't get into that, but um, I have my issues with that adaptation. But um, Walking Dead, for example, it's very, has very similar issues that they're tackling. They're not tackling zombies, they're tackling like actual humans who Mm -hmm. are behaving well, and they're, yeah, it's all... An the, apocalyptic type setting. And think, like, survivors. Like, yes. it's very much that survivor mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really great. The cast is incredible. Um, Skate Ulrich, it's so nice to see him in, like, a leading role. Mm-hmm. And it just constantly makes me think that he's underused. And then I went and watched the, pil- the pilot. The first episode of the season three of Riverdale, and I got to see him. And it's weird to watch a show of him, like, literally ten years ago. And then now to see him, and it, but it's still great. Like, I love him in that show. I love him in that show, too. I cannot take him seriously in that Pops uniform. Oh, no. And you're not supposed to. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I also heard the first episode, like, was like, holy shit. Oh. Bonkers. Man, yeah. yeah. Riverdale, guys. Yeah. Um, talk about I heard they jumped horror. the supernatural shark in this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're talking some some witchy stuff. They gotta get yeah. They gotta get people amped for Sabrina. Dude. That's what they're doing. Yeah, one hundred percent. They're like, oh wait, what's happening? This also, might it's be Sabrina Halloween, related. Like, yeah, t- two weeks from now. So yeah, no, the Riverdale. I mean, I will continue to cherish as like fringe horror. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Um, so I did watch that. That is like the one thing that I make sure I watch for sure. But yeah, which oh, and I'm almost done. Speaking of witches, with Coven. Um, and it has not, I'm on episode nine and it has not dropped off for me at all. I've heard it's one of the ones that like does the least. I think that, so I've hadn't lost any interest. In fact, I think where they're taking it is even more interesting than where it was, which is so rare for that series for me. Usually once they hit the like, this is the turning point, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God. And this, this is the turning point. And I'm like, bring it on. So I'm excited to finish it, and yes, I know I'm like five years too late. Let us Story know, of my life. Let us know which one, because I the general consensus I see in like the shock the shockwaves group and our friends is one and three are the best, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like there's some like I hear a lot of good things about Hotel, 
and I hear decent things about Roanoke. Roanoke. Yeah. And then everyone seems to really just like be super hit and miss on Asylum and Freak Show. And I don't know if I've ever met anybody who likes Asylum. And there's, and Colt, like everyone seems like, eh, but I don't know. Let us know. Reach out to us. Yes. I, I'd be interested. I'm. I am. I think finally going to go through and at least watch all of Coven because uh-huh. I don't think I've finished a season since the first one. Yeah, this will be my first finish when I finish Coven. You haven't but, finished Murder House. Well, besides oh, Murder House, oh, yeah, oh, okay. excluding yeah. like the precious, wonderful yeah. season one. That amazing and season one. I know, and I keep seeing all this buzz for Apocalypse and Larry. Like, oh my god, Jessica Lang, And they'll be like, oh my god, Murder House. I'm like, no, oh my god. Like, I'm so excited to yeah. watch that season. That's why I want to watch Coven. Yeah. So I can, like, this is, watch This was it. my motivation. But also, I just am feeling witchy this month. Uh, Yeah. Plus, Sabrina looks amazing. If you guys haven't seen the trailer for the new Sabrina, which is based off the... It's, the, it's part of the Afterlife with Archie comic book line from Archie Comics, which is all like horror themed so they have afterlife with archie which is all zombies then they have the chilling tales of sabrina which is like a cthulhu like very satanic based sabrina and then they just did jughead the hunger which is about jughead being a werewolf um so all three of those are available which they allude to in riverdale but i don't think they're gonna make that happen jughead being a werewolf yeah that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, cool. So the movies we are covering this week uh, are... The, so this is what happened. Last <laughs> week after the podcast, we were trying to find a movie and we watched a trailer for one called Mischief Night with Malcolm McDowell. We're trying to find slashers based in, in, on, or Hall- on Halloween yeah. that aren't Halloween. Yes. And guess what, guys? It's fucking hard. It is hard. And like there, were, we reached out to like the, the know-it-alls. And even Brendan was kind of scraping at the bottom of the barrel here. So... I think... I think it's because Halloween. Yeah, probably. Why would you want to compete with that? Yeah, so if you're going to make a slasher film, why would you make one? Like, holiday slasher, obviously Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, inspired holiday slashers. Yeah. 100%, there's no denying that. But I feel like doing one about Halloween, he made it where people were like, yeah, no, if I'm going to do a slasher, I'm not going to touch that. Other horror movies... Yeah, do horror. there's so much other horror yeah, on Halloween. Yeah, but not slashers. Not a ton of slashers. Which I was first surprised, and then when I really kind of like thought about it, I was like, all right, I get it. I don't think as a filmmaker I would be like, yeah, I'm going to tackle a slasher, and it's going to be on Halloween. Like, it, yeah. how do you not either pay homage or knock it off or, you know? You know. And we chose to spare you guys and not do Satan's Little Helper. Ugh, no. Um... Which has some weird cult following. I own that. Please tell me why. <laughs> because our friends. Um, so we watched a trailer for a movie called Mischief Night with Malcolm McDowell. I watched this trailer with V. I totally uh-huh. did. And then I watched this movie called Mischief Night and I text her about it and she calls me the next day and she's like, what movie did you watch? And I'm like, Mischief Night. And she's like, this is not the movie I'm watching. And she's like, don't you remember? And she like sends me the picture of the poster and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess... <sighs> Malcolm McDowell didn't ever show up in that movie. Like, I didn't even, like, make that connection. So we watched two separate movies called Mischief Night, and we were trying to decide which one to cover, and then we decided, fuck it, happy October, we're going to cover both of them. So I watched the one from 2013 first, B watched the one from 2014 first, and then we watched, we switched. Yes. Um, So we're going to cover one in its entirety and then the next in its entirety, and then I think we'll rank them both at the end of the episode. Yeah. So the first one from 2013, the synopsis is young Emily Walton, who's not like super young. She's like 
17, 18. She's 17. They say it in the film. Who has suffered from psychosomatic blindness ever since the car accident that took her mother's life, real or not. Did you find any proof of this happening? Okay, so, and we'll dive into this when we get a little bit farther, but my biggest qualm with this film was her, um, her blindness is caused by trauma, but not trauma to her brain, like psychological trauma, emotional trauma. Um, The doctors can't find any physical reason for her to go blind. So I looked this up because I'm like, uh, do I do I need to have an issue with this? Is this one of those things where they're like, yeah, we're going to put somebody with a disability in a film, but then we're going to be like, nah, you know, she doesn't really have it. She could be, she's not really blind, so it's better, which is how they treated it and how her boyfriend treated it and really kind of made me mad while I was watching it. I was like, oh yeah, it's okay because maybe she'll get her vision back, so mm-hmm. it's not too bad. It's like, what the fuck? Um, apparently there are cases where they can't explain a lot of them. They found out that people were faking it. Um, cool, cool. And, uh, but there are some studies that they've done where people lose their sight, uh, because of stress, because of anxiety, and it will come back. Um, it is called, I have too many tabs open. Is it called psychosomatic blindness? No, it is called. Um, <laughs> so they just made that shit up. Oh, is that what they call it in the movie? Yeah, they they literally that's the in the synopsis that she suffers from psychosomatic blindness. Mm. Well, keep reading, and I'll tell you what it's called. Anyway, so the end of the synopsis, um, she has suffered from psychosomatic blindness ever since the car accident that took her mother's life. Must summon every instinct at her disposal to protect herself and her loved ones from a mysterious intruder. Uh, this movie was released not that long ago. It was October 30th, 2013, which is at least nifty because if you don't know what Mischief Night is, it's the night before Halloween. Yeah. It's also extremely localized to the East Coast. Yes, which makes sense because I did not know this was a thing. No one on the West Coast was The that. only thing I was reminded of when they were, I was looking up what Mischief Night was and all of the... Prank staple, it reminds me of like ice in Hocus Pocus. But he does that on a, all the things they do is like what I think of what kids in the West Coast do after trick or treating. Yep. Like when you're too old to trick or treat, you go around and smash pumpkins and TP people's houses Halloween night. Funny coincidence. Um, VRV is a streaming service and they have Nick Splat on there. So I've been watching all of Rocket Power because they put it up and they have an entire episode dedicated to Mischief Night. That makes sense. Yeah. Because those kids love pranking. Yeah. Um, also, it is called functional vision loss. And uh, according to this article on Psychology Today, uh, usually when patients have functional visual, visual loss, they um, call them delusional. Oh, fun. Yeah. So interesting topic. If you would like to learn more, Psychology Today is there for you. Um, so yeah, it was released on Mischief Night in 2013. Had a very, very small theatrical release, but it did make $130,000 budget. Um, $130,000, but we don't have any record of the budget. Small. There's yes. no big name actors in this. Um, like It takes place in one setting. It, yeah, which is like a model home. Yeah. Like, it's oh, literally 100% a model, a model home. home. Yeah. Um, and it's also the same home that um, the first victims die in. Yeah, on purpose. Oh. Yeah, but it's just dumb. Yeah. Uh, it actually kind of received mixed reviews, which was surprising for me. I thought it would get panned across the board, um, uh, but 
there uh, the the reviews are accurate i mean um oregonian says it works fairly well mischief night should make for a pretty good pre-game show the night before halloween uh cinema craze said surely it won't win awards for originality but it takes an old idea and transforms it into an entertaining stock and slash horror film um uh it did get some like lesser less than good reviews shallow and superficial um was said by downright creepy uh dread central said it's a stranger's rehash uh replete with similar motives and setups uh, slow pacing, uninspired direction, mixed bag. So it was kind of like all over the board on the reviews. Um, I don't think it has a Rotten Tomatoes because it's just not big enough at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's mostly these horror websites that were reviewing it. And I can see where they're coming from. Um, I do think it's this one in particular, since she's blind, for me, reminded me so much, like, because being B and I agreed, like, there is a good framework here, mm-hmm. but they just didn't have the budget or the acting to really make it work. And, like, the contrast would be, like, a movie like Hush, mm-hmm. because it's a similar concept, and it right. works yeah, so it's, much It's better. hard not to think of Hush when you watch this film, because you're dealing with somebody who has some kind of impairment that makes the normal stalking situation... Um, a little bit different Mm -hmm. Um, and for this one um, she could only hear yeah the the stalkers Um, and so there's a lot of and I think pretty effective shots of them in the house and walking around and instead of going like oh my god turn around like you can see them it's it's um, effective because you're like fuck oh my god you she can't see them and they're right there, and they're, like, playing with her. Um, the Strangers comparison is valid, too, because yes. it does what the it does what Strangers did, where it sets up those frames where you're like, I can see them clearly, mm-hmm. and, like, they're within frame of her. But it had, like, it kind of gave itself an advantage over Strangers, because, like, she can't see them even yeah. if she turns around right now. Yeah, where Strangers did that, and it, like, fucked with you. But you knew if they just turned around. Which is why it makes it scarier for yeah. me. Because I'm like, well, I can see them. Uh-huh. But she, and they're right there, but she doesn't know they're there. Yeah. That scared the shit out of me. Well, that movie's terrifying. Um, One problem I definitely have, and we'll get into the killers a lot more later, but um, I really think those coats would make noise. The, they they're wearing the, yellow they're raincoats. raincoats. So they're dressed up I feel like, like the girl like, on the salt. What is that? The Morton Salt yeah, girl? Yeah, it's the Morton that's, Salt. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what essentially they're what they're wearing. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, um, yeah, no, they would make noise. And because she's blind, she has better hearing, and they make note of that numerous oh, yeah. times. It's and, like, she can smell part better. It's the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And also, I wish the smell thing came into a, like, because they make a very distinct point of her smelling her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you smell like football. And I was like, I kind of like that. That's yeah. cool. And But then they barely use it with like the actual killers well and it was interesting too because like there are they definitely have this weird scene where they're meant to make you think that the boyfriend's fucking with her Mm -hmm. um where they're like talking on the phone and he's like kind of with somebody else and he's in this black hoodie and you're like huh and then he comes into the house very like billy loomis like Oh, Ashley right. was like, he's the killer. Yeah. Like, she straight up thought. And, but, and there's one point, too, where I was like, maybe he is. So I thought that for a second. I'm like, okay, they're obviously, like, trying to play that angle and make us think that that's a possibility. And I'm getting some serious, like, Billy vibes from this. But what made me go, there's no way, though, is because of that smell comment. Yeah. I'm like, she'd still be able to smell him. Yeah. And that's, like, her boyfriend. That's true. 
The poster is super straight to DVD. Um, and not the right outfit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, He's it wearing, is. He's like, I a think, black hoodie. No, I guess it's a slicker, but it's in grayscale, yeah. which is not effective because their slickers are yellow. Their so. masks are kind of creepy. I think it I looks worse what, in this poster. But what are than, they? They're clear. They're clear. They're like those but clear what? makeup masks. They're not. They're not clear. Yeah, There's they're like clear. shit all over it. No, they're like opaque. So yeah, that's the opposite of clear. They're like clear, but not clear. They're like blurry. Oh god. They're like, so they're like frosted. Make- yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Yes, not opaque. Mm. Um, what do you think of this poster? Um, I I mean just <laughs> yeah. It's not great. No. Uh, it's a straight-to-DVD poster. It is a straight-to-DVD poster. It is like, yeah, here's this image that I got from the film. I'm going to make it grayscale because that's going to make it spookier because yellow is not a spooky color. Mm-hmm. No, true. That's 100% why this is in grayscale. I guarantee it. They tried to play with the yellow, and there's no way. And I They couldn't make it work. distress lettering. I don't hate distress lettering, and I think it's effective... Um, in a lot of situations, I just think this is lazy. Uh, I'm fine with it. It's whatever. Uh, it's really the typesetting, um, of everything else. The, especially the names at the top. They're like so close together and it's in like a completely different font style. It's in like small caps. And so's the tagline. No, and the tagline. So that just is, looks like such amateur stuff that whoever they got to who knows like a little bit who was like yeah i'm gonna make this look trendy which is what they need to do low budget you can't hire like a professional designer or it is a professional designer but maybe not somebody who had a lot of time whatever the situation was they knew enough to be like yeah this is gonna help this movie sell for sure um makes it look modern but oh my god that typesetting it does look modern. The tagline is, the lucky ones die quickly, which is whatever. Um, I mean, that's a good slasher tagline. Yeah, it fits a slasher. I don't think it fits the movie great. I mean, I guess they there's fuck some, with like, her and some, toy with her. And, 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 like, pranking in the yeah. first opening scene. So. But, uh, no sequel. No setup for a sequel at all. The movie ends no. actually very abruptly. Yeah. Uh, the score was done by Anastasia Devana, um, who did who has done some work on Supernatural for like two seasons, and then she also did Agent Carter for Marvel. Um, it's interesting when I looked up the movie, like that's her name was specifically mentioned in a quote from the director. Like when they asked about the movie, he, they didn't have a lot of time. Like he straight up says, like we got. I think the quote was something like, "It's it's a miracle, but we got it done." Yeah. Um, but so they did it very quick. Uh, yeah, he says, it's been a mad dash, but yeah. we've made it across the finish line, and Mischief Night is finished. I could not be more pleased with how it all came together. It looks great and sounds great. The score by Anastasia Devana is powerful and evocative. Richard Violette's photography is beautiful, and the entire cast gave it everything they had. I think we made a film which not only will please genre fans, but also a more general audience. Um, that's from the director. Yeah, Richard Shankman, uh, who has only really done like another indie movie called The Man from Earth, and then numerous Playboy movies, fun fact. But I have to give him like really, really mad props because to credit your cinematographer and um, the composer in your quote about your movie, mm-hmm. I think is really just like high class. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because I do think those are people that get overlooked a lot. Yeah, and those can make or break a movie. Yeah, absolutely. How it looks and how it sounds, especially in horror. Yeah. And when we get to the other one, I'm really going to talk about the score because um, it services that film, you know, more than it probably deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and to recognize that, and I think, I mean... As a director, if you're, like, pouring your heart into this film and there's these little pieces, I mean, there's always that famous, like, John Carpenter story where the Halloween was scored and Mm -hmm. he listened to it and he's like, no, this isn't right. And so he just did it himself. Well, I mean, you got to be, like, mad talented to be able to do that. And I'm not even sure, like, how accurate that story is. It's just been, like, in the rumor mill forever. But The legend says. Yeah. But think about that and think, like, you put your heart into this story and then if it doesn't sound right and if it doesn't look right, what do you have? Mm -hmm. You know, you just have one piece of a very big puzzle. The score, unfortunately for me, did not stand out a whole lot on this, but it's still... I mean, sound editing was good, like, because mm-hmm. it needed to be. Yeah. Because it's a big component. And then also, I thought it looked fine. Like, there are numerous shots that look really good. My biggest problem is the, like, intro feels like a different decade. Oh, it feels I've, I was so, so confused. different. It feels, you know how it says numerous Playboy yeah, movies here? That's like, like yeah. a Playboy movie. No, it that felt very, like, Valentine. Like it was so like weird. Early two thousands, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I hundred like, percent agree. Yeah, rose petals and candles yeah. and like even the very, even the lighting, like orange yeah. lighting and like the guy was like, <laughs> it's like they you couldn't mean, get someone super ripped, so they got a guy. Charlie O'Connell. Like, you mean who is that? Jerry O'Connell's brother. Oh. How did you not know? As soon as he walked in, I'm like, oh, that's Jerry O'Connell. I'm like, no, 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 wait, that's his brother who is also in Sliders. Oh, neat. if any of you watched that show, Sliders. Um, um, Charlie O'Connell. It was written by Jesse Baggett, who did, who has done horror stuff before. He did All, Hall, All Hallows Eve 2, which All Hallows Eve was the first movie where Art the Clown, who's in the movie Terrifier, showed up. Um, it's a anthology series. He also did Russell Maniac. Uh, he was the producer on it. <clears throat> I just had to point that out because uh, my buddy Mike and I, who used to do a wrestling podcast, watched that movie because it's about a ghost luchador starring Rey Mysterio Sr. So I just thought it was really funny that he was on that project because I didn't think anyone else even knew what that was. Uh, Except for weird wrestling nerds like you. Yes. It is a nobody cast. I would say whatever his name O'Connell is definitely the most famous. Whatever his name O'Connell. Except the dad, Daniel Hugh Kelly, um, David. I can't believe you didn't even know Charlie Um, O'Connell. How do you not know right away? Do you not know what Jerry O'Connell looks like? I know what Jerry O'Connell looks like, and I looked at that guy, and I was like, that's not Jerry O'Connell. Also, he's got a, like, he, he, I... And he is, like, pretty damn ripped. No, he is not. Yes, he, he is. He's ripped like William he's Shatner. Big. He's, like, barrel-chested. That doesn't mean you're ripped. Also, he was The Bachelor, the first Bachelor. What? Yeah. This is absurd. Uh, the dad is Daniel Hugh Kelly, who has been in numerous projects, such Still as Cujo and The Good Son, so actually, like, real big Hollywood stuff. But everyone else, uh, Noel Coet is the main star. Emily, mostly just TV and TV movies. Um, Ian Bamberg as Jimmy, also mostly TV. He's been an awkward Hawaii 5-0. Uh, the Intruder, Adam C. Edwards, is a stuntman who has been in lots of really big productions, such as Hunger Games and Furious 7. Um, Jimmy is so weird looking. <laughs> I could not I'm get over it. I don't remember who he is in Awkward. Um, it looks like a bee stung his face. 
<laughs> and then God, like Ryan. No, I'm not trying to be mean. You're so mean. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying God. like I Ian, think... if you're listening to this, that's not true. No, and no, he doesn't look like that in his like IMDB picture. I think it was like weird makeup or he had an allergic reaction to something, but they're like, fuck, we got two days to film, so you gotta just look like this. Cause this is not what he looks like in the movie. Look at that. That is not what Jimmy looks like. He just has, like, long hair. No. No, he doesn't. He has a weird face. Oh, my God. It's like it, like his cheeks are, like, really swollen and pronounced. Look. Because look at him in Mischief Night. He's, I'm telling you right now, he's got a weird-looking face in this movie. I'm sorry, Ian Bamberg. Apparently, he got stung by a bee and decided to keep filming, according to Ryan. It is a home invasion film. Uh, as well as a sla- like slasher, but it's definitely Stock like... and slash, yeah. yeah. Home invasion, the iconic weapon is... The, the killers use an, a knife and an axe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a plot twist, quote-unquote. There's, there's two, two of them, which is not a huge plot twist. Because there's never like any point where you're like, how did they get there so fast? I know, that's what I was trying like to think, think. When the second re- like killer got revealed, I'm like, oh, so they did that to try and explain some stuff. But I'm like, but what stuff? Yeah, nothing, nothing I noticed. Nothing needed in explaining. Yeah. Uh, they're listed as the intruders. They have no motive. Again, they're stranger. It's yeah, the strangers. The strangers. Yeah, like there's. They no, say he wh- asks him, "Why are you doing this?" And yeah. he says, "Because it's mischief night." Yeah, I mean it's straight from the strangers. Um. Yeah. So the movie opens with like this giant mansion in the middle of nowhere. Just not a giant mansion. It's, Your okay. perspective. Okay. Is it's skewed. not. It's a big. It's house. like a big. T- Home. It's, yeah, a it's really like a big, four bedroom. Like it's like if you ever watch the OC, the model home that Ryan has to stay in in the first like four episodes. Down. It's like that. Um, it starts there. That was nice. And there's like this guy and this girl, and they're being all like they're about to have sex in a jacuzzi. This guy and this girl. That I didn't get their names. Um, and they're about to have sex in a jacuzzi, and like they hear the TV on, and they go downstairs, and it's their set, their own sex tape, and he's like. I love that part because he's like, "Oh yeah, you were the naughtiest girl, schoolgirl." And she's like, "Oh, stop it!" I was like, "This is so fucking weird." But okay, and then now you know what Ryan's not into sexually. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe I'm just super into it. And yeah, I don't want anyone. He's to hiding know. it from the world. And then they hear their microwave go off, and they like. I thought this was kind of cool. They open the microwave, and it says "boo" inside the microwave. Yeah. Um, and then they like see they see these kids who look like the Morton Sea Salt girl. Um, and Charlie O'Connell, like, goes outside. What? Why does he chase them? They do something that, like, pisses him off. But he goes outside to, like, find them, and he starts screaming. And so the girl is trying to run to her car. And this girl, by the way, I, I've never well, seen anyone. Well, they think it's her husband. We find right. out yeah. that they're having an affair, and her husband's in Hong Kong, because where else would he be? And... They're like, well, maybe he's home. And then they're like, you can tell she obviously doesn't like her husband because they literally say, well, we can hit him with this bat and just say we thought it was an intruder. So they intend to like, if they kill the husband, cool, added bonus. Yeah. That's um, like character. <laughs> like, So they basically, they get freaked out because they like know someone's in the house. Yeah. So he goes upstairs and then they like see them and then he follows them outside. He gets killed. Um, and she's like running to the car. In perhaps 
one of the most awkward runaway scenes I've ever seen in my life. Like, her slowly tripping, like, scrambling down those stairs on that, like, because they wanted to get that long shot of her going yeah. down the stairs. I was like, this is so fucking painful. Yeah. Um, and then she gets in the car, and the intruder shows up, and um, he, like, hits an axe into the hood of the car, and that, like, kind of kicks off the movie. Because then we're at the house, I think, a year later. Because it's in the same house. They're, they've, like, moved... Uh, Emily and her dad have moved into this house. Oh, yeah. See, I missed that plot point. Yeah, so because the, they've moved in... So I mean, that makes sense. I just thought it was, like, so low budget, and they thought they could get away with saying that's their different houses. Like, I thought maybe it was the neighbors or something. No, yeah, they moved And I in. was like, no, that staircase is the fucking same. Oh, definitely the same house, 100%. So they've moved in, and we find out that Emily is psychosomatically blind uh, because her mother was in... <laughs> The whole this whole thing is weird. The whole mother plot point is so bizarre because yeah. it's like we're like we're getting flashbacks to her like um, therapy session throughout the movie, and there's like a point where like it's supposed to be kind of a big dramatic reveal, and it's like there's nothing you could have done, Emily, and she's like <coughs> she was texting, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, what I was the so fuck confused. is happening here? Like I under- texting and driving is bad. Yeah, don't do it. But I was like, what is the, like, what is the relevance of her texting? Right. And because she's like, it's not your fault. You are in the back seat. And they keep reiterating that. And so you think some big thing is going to get, and why she's having so much trauma is that somehow it was kind of her fault. I was fault. thinking like, oh, she got in a fight with her mom. Yeah. Or like, oh. Or her- she yelled at her and that's why her mom looked away and was distracted. Or there was going to be some reason why the car accident was actually her fault. Yeah. But no, it, it was like wasn't. Her mom was texting and we're like, "Wait, what? What does that have to do with anything?" I mean, terrible, but The mom plotline was so unnecessary and bizarre. Like you could have done without all of the flashbacks. Yeah. So I read a review that said sometimes like simplicity in these films is best, and I think that's so true. Like this was just like an unnecessary complication to the story and it, then it got me thinking, like, well, maybe they need to wrangle the therapist. Maybe the therapist is in That's, on it. I thought, like, is she going to show up? Because, like, it takes, it's pretty much, like, takes place at this house. It, yeah. Very few, like, two spots outside of it. And so I was like, oh, maybe, like, she has to come to the house because they need a body count. So, like, they're going to drag her out there somehow. Nope, never happens. No, this, this, my like, thought process was it's either going to be two things. It's going to be a character we know. It's not, they're not going to reveal, like, it's not going to be a Pretty Little Liars thing where it's like, oh, here's this character who we've never introduced you to, but actually they're the big reveal. No. I was like, so it's either her boyfriend or, which I ixnade, I was like, it's either her dad or, and that idea I played with for a long time. I was like, oh yeah, maybe the dad found out it was her fault Mm -hmm. and something, um, or I was like, it's the therapist. Otherwise, it's strangers. The only other thought that trickled my mind for a second was like, maybe the mom killed somebody in the accident and they were seeking revenge, but that never got brought up. And so that thought went away quickly. Was not smart enough for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too smart for this movie, guys. Um, so, and like I said, like basically... The dad is going on a date, and it's his first date in, like, nine years or whatever since her mom has died, and she's... Were people texting nine years ago? I don't think so. I don't know, 2009? No. Barely. 
We weren't texting and driving. 2009? Yeah. I was definitely texting all the time. That's all I did in 2009. I know. Remember when we met and I was like, oh yeah, I don't really text. I still like passed notes in high school. Nobody I knew texted. That's all I did. And so, then you're yes. like, yeah, you're going to learn to text if you're going to be friends <laughs> with me. I'm like, God, you're weird. Why am I becoming friends with you? And to this day, she hates that. I text her back when she calls me. Oh, guys. Uh, I'll just be like, what's up? Makes <laughs> me so mad. Me. <laughs> so mad, yeah. Um... And so, like, we're introduced to the concept of uh, Mischief Night because people egg the house while her dad's still there. And he's like, are you going to be okay? And she's like, yeah, I'll be fine. Okay, but also, the only thing that makes me mad, it's the night before Halloween and there's no reference to Halloween. No. At all. No. There's, there's no like, decor. no decorations, like, There's this nothing. weird thing when her aunt comes and I think she's picking out a costume for, for her. her cousin. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's literally the only reference to Halloween. There's no decorations up. There's not even jack-o'-lanterns. There's no jack-o'-lanterns. Nothing. It's very bizarre. So why pick that as your story and it be mischief night? I get why. The whole stranger, the stranger's vibe. It's like a weird East Coast thing, I'm telling you. But why no Halloween stuff? And I guess some mischief nights aren't the night before Halloween. It's like November 4th or something. Also weird. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. understand. Damn East thing. Coasters! Hey, East Coasters, um, reach out to us. Let us um, poor California folks. Yeah, know I heard about it's also this. called Devil's Night. Yeah, and did you celebrate it as a kid? What were your traditions? Was it the night before Halloween? Was it November fourth? Um, what did you do? Yeah, let us know. Because we were ignorant. We don't know. Um, so we like basically. So we're introduced to her boyfriend who comes over for like a split second. Also, his whole thing was weird. I, like, he, the dad comes upstairs. I thought he was just, like, waiting outside. No, he fucking left because he's got plans with, like, his name is Jimmy. So he's got plans with, like, Devin and Gavin or whatever the fuck his friend's names are to do mischief night because they're going to prank on some seniors. Um, so her dad leaves. Jimmy leaves. She's alone in the house. Um, this is when we first start getting kind of, like, introduced to the intruders um, they do, like, egg the house, and she goes outside, and she, like, yells at him, and she's, like, kind of pissed off. Um, and then she gets kind of freaked out, calls Jimmy, and she's like, oh, like, these people are messing with me. He's like, well, do I need to come there? And she's like, no, I'm fine. And it's not until her aunt, who this scene drove me crazy, her aunt calls her, right? And they do this thing. There's two things they do in movies and TV shows that really drive me nuts, and it's a concept that needs to die. One, when you suck on a straw, it makes a noise to like give us like to let the audience know like there is beverage in this drink it's like we fucking know that they're drinking a drink also is every drink almost just at the bottom of the drink ever in television and movies the other thing that happens a lot in tv what and a movies, weird bone to pick dude i it drives me fucking crazy and the other one now i'm gonna notice thanks yeah, a lot you will. and the other one break the glass for you here that her aunt does she's got her hands on the steering wheel on like 11 and 2 or whatever the fuck it is literally just like like, like driving all around but you can tell she's like in a straight line but to give the like to let us understand <laughs> that, she's that she's driving it's like jerky as shit she's like not looking at anything in particular i'm like ryan's where the, just convulsing where, right now <laughs> i was just like where the fuck is she that she's driving like that right now she off-roading yeah like she up down mountain. like a fucking maniac so i that's another concept in movies addressing us and her aunt calls her and she's just like like spinning the wheel around I hated it. Anyways, her aunt gets to the house. Um, they do the whole like outfit thing. Emily throws some headphones on. This is when we get our first kill. The killers are in the house, and the aunt like sees the back door open, and she goes to tell Emily, like, hey, make sure you lock this door. 
and Ashley's yelling up to her, and this kill was pretty uh-huh. actually fucking brutal. The killer comes up behind her and doesn't slice her throat open, which is usually what like low does slash her. Sla- stabs her through her like lower jaw, and blood like comes gurgling out of her face. Yeah, um, it was I was good. pretty surprised by it. Yeah, um, so she dies, and then Emily like hears it, and she goes downstairs. Uh, I'm kind of getting lost here now. She, so she, she, hear, she like can tell something is going wrong and she goes downstairs. Oh, she goes to call her aunt and the killer has her, fo- the aunt's phone and like holds it up. Yeah. And the killer ends up calling her. No, the killer answers it. The no, kill- the opposite. And it says like, what? I don't know. Aunt whoever is calling. Aunt whoever is oh, calling. Oh yeah. The killer calls her just to fuck yeah. with her because they're pranking her yeah. essentially. And she answers it and she's like, hello. And she can hear her own echo through the phone because the yeah. killer is holding her aunt's phone up. And that's when she realizes that someone is in the house. Like for sure. Um, so it's kind of this game of cat and mouse for a really long time. Um, Jimmy does show up because he's like, you sounded worried. I came to check on you. And she's like, there's definitely someone in the house. And this is when... They start making really stupid decisions. Yeah. Jimmy just, like, disappears for, like, 20 minutes. And which she, like, is doesn't definitely why, phased by no, it No, she doesn't give all. a fuck that Jimmy yeah. is gone. She's never like, Jimmy, where are you? If he- my boyfriend disappeared... Boyfriend. I don't have a boyfriend. If my husband disappeared, I'd be like, oh, my God. Where is he? What's happening? Like, I would not be able to think about anything else. Well, this starts the infuriating trend of her boyfriend and her dad constantly telling her, stay here. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. she's fucking blind. Yeah. <laughs> why would you make someone who's blind stay somewhere when you have fucking like, it'll eyes? be faster like if i just i mean go she has look. eyes but you can see <laughs> like <laughs> that's so insensitive <laughs> you know, i'm so My sorry <laughs> but i did not mean it that way at all i was not trying to be an asshole <sighs> but it's like you have vision why would there you go. why would you tell someone stay here what the fuck dude like yeah that was horrible no that was textbook like when they Slash make fun yeah. of horror movies and it's like, oh yeah, like, stay right here. I'll be right back. And it happens like nine it times. It happens too many times. Yeah. It's true. So because Ryan and I watched her movies flip-flopped, when I watched this one, he was like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was fine. Like, it was pretty good. But like, the characters are so stupid and make some infuriating they make decisions. every poor decision. And I had texted him and been like, okay, well, I have like a half hour left. And it was literally the half hour where all of the bad decisions. And I mean, it's a good last half hour. It really mm-hmm. is. And they, they amp it up for the third act. And I mean, the movie didn't really drag for me at all. No, no, like, no. Like, I thought yeah. it had good pacing. And I, I, for the most part, there was some like silly stuff with like, she kept putting her headphones on, and even that shit kept bugging me. And she kept I'm losing like, her phone, or, yeah. or just like randomly didn't work. It's not that she didn't have service, but she has like a talk phone because um, she doesn't use the button. So she like talks to it to tell it what to do, and it fucking couldn't understand what she was saying, which was driving me crazy. Yeah. I'm like, this has worked the entire movie, and now it's just not working. Yeah. And it's like, no, your phone's dead. And. Then, like, the girlfriend calls her, and it's like, I don't know. And she's, like, talking. I don't know if you can hear me. And it's, like, a voicemail. And I'm like, this isn't real. That doesn't happen. I know. Uh, well, like, Ash- Ashley watched this one with me, and she's like, how the fuck? She's like, when in the world has it ever happened that you called someone, and they're just, like, talking and talking and talking, and they're like, I don't know if you can hear me, but blah, blah, blah. And she's, like, literally yelling into the phone. <laughs> yeah. So there's some, like, weird there's things. There's some weird choices that they made for probably time reasons. Mm-hmm. But 
In budget. Um, in budget, but where you just go like, really? Like, so, why? So Jimmy goes missing, and she doesn't give a fuck that Jimmy's Mm-mm. missing. And she keeps getting chased around the house, and she actually like puts a pretty, a pretty good fight. And then she um, finally realizes that her, her dad's phone is going off. Um, she's like, she's trying, she's been trying to call her dad and has been going through and then she calls it and she can hear it and she goes upstairs and she finds her dad tied up in the closet. I don't understand that. So the killer's fucking with her again because the killer has her dad's phone. When her dad steps into the hallway, he's holding her dad's phone. No, but why didn't they kill the dad? That's I what I don't understand. It doesn't I make any sense. I get the fucking with yeah. him, but the tying him up and the only thing is if there was some like master plan where they were going to bring him out later. And yeah. like torture her more. That's the only, that's like kind of the justification I'll give it. Not trying to like nitpick too much. But when I found him, I'm like, wait, he's not dead. I was very surprised he wasn't dead. Yeah. Either. Because at this point like, too, why? What's there's the a point? body count of like three, which is pretty low, and like one happens completely off screen. Um, with the girl in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But she finds her dad, and again, infuriating. Her dad has a fucking gun. The guy tries to get in the door. They're in a room that has no other entrance. The door is barricaded. He tries to get in the door. The dad takes a shot at him. He leaves. So what's the dad do? Also, at this point, we've established their phones work. Doesn't call the cops. Instead, he goes downstairs and goes... Locks her in the house. And says, you wait here. Yeah. I think they left. I'm going to go try to get help. Well, he's like, oh, your aunt's car's still here. I'm going to make sure she's okay. Stay in the house. They've left. Oh, it drove me fucking crazy. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, dude, you barricade yourself in the room because you have a gun with, like, you have a weapon that is stronger than their weapon. Presumably five more rounds. Yeah. And a decent aim. Yeah. And, like, they they have one entrance into that room. Like, you're going to kill No, I mean, logic disappears for sure, which is a bummer because this movie does, like, do do a lot of good stuff. And so this is when it gets hard to be like, all right, come on. Uh, he then tells Emily to stay in the garage. He goes back in the house to try to find the keys to his truck. Um, this is the part where there is someone who looks like the killer rushing at him. And anyone who has ever seen a horror movie before goes, well, that's Jimmy. Yep. Because he's rushing with his hands tied behind and his back. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, just because <laughs> his mouth is duct taped yeah. shut. The best part is like the whole movie, the dad is talking about how Jimmy is so dumb and how he doesn't like him. And he shoots him and he fucking kills him. Uh-huh. And he shoots never him tells him. Her, his daughter, by the way, oh, and she never fucking asked. No, she is just like, nope. Blah, blah, blah. I had she a boyfriend here. She doesn't give here. a fuck no. about Jimmy, but he he takes his mask off and realizes it's Jimmy. And he's just like, oh god, oh Jimmy, no. He's like bawling. I'm like, you fucking hated this kid, and I understand. Like taking a human life is bad, but like this reaction is unnecessary. Also, how did he know he wasn't the killer? Um, I mean, his hands were tied behind his back. Yeah. And he had duct tape on his mouth. Um, so then the dad gets attacked by the killers and he gets chased into this room, which they've kind of used as like, it's like, uh, where he puts all, um, his, his wife's stuff, um, which is right above the garage. And Mm -hmm. this is the part where like, basically Emily can tell, she can hear them above them and she can like hear them yelling and she knows she has to do something. So she gets, this was the cool part. She gets a fucking chainsaw uh-huh. and it's one of those ones that you use to cut down like tree branches. So it has like a really long pole and she's like sitting there and she's like, just say something, say something. And that's when the dad goes, why are you doing this? And he says, because it's mischief night. And she shoves it up through the ceiling and fucking disembowels the dude. And it does like cut into his stomach, like all the way up uh-huh. through his stomach, which was pretty rad. Yeah. 
Uh, the other killer goes to kill her dad, but she turns the lights off, which gives her dad the opportunity to escape. Um, and then she waits downstairs. She's able to, like, slice his ankle. And then she, like, messes with him. She runs to the back door, opens the back door, make him think she went outside. And it gives them basically enough time for her dad to, um, like, get her the gun. And then, of course, because if you've seen any movie ever, she gets her fucking vision back. Because uh-huh. she has conquered her fears. And she shoots the killer. And the movie, that's like how the movie ends. It literally with, just like ends. It ends so fast and then it has the weirdest credits. It's it like, does. It's, it's like, like the a, credits to like a 90s TV show, yeah. like TV movie. It's like the picture of them and then their name. Yeah. By the way, she never asks about Jimmy. She doesn't give a fuck about Jimmy. And her dad doesn't say, I accidentally fucking killed <laughs> R.I.P. Jimmy. Um, favorite kill in the I mean, film. The chainsaw It's the sure. chainsaw kill easily. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, the, actually, the next stab is hella it, cool. It is really good. It's yeah, super it's good. Yeah, it's very good. But and like, surprising. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you can't deny freaking Chainsaw and Guts. Especially, like, I wasn't expecting that at all from this movie. Yeah. Because it's all knife and axe up until yeah. then. Um, so the Chainsaw Kill is definitely the best, uh, the, the yeah. best kill. Uh, no position in the horror landscape. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. Now, now it does have a position. The... Screamers now know about it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, now you know that one Mischief mischief Night movie exists. And now we're talking about the second one. This is the one I watched. First. First. (laughs) The one we originally watched the trailer for. Yeah. What's the synopsis? Um, so, this movie came out in 2014. The night before Halloween, a teenage babysitter is stalked by a masked killer. But in an unusual turn of events, victim and victimizer begin to develop romantic feelings for each other. Oh, I hated it so much. Ooh. I hate it. I just like, I hated that. I don't part even really, I don't think I read that synopsis before I. The synopsis is worse than the movie, by the way. Like, yeah, it is. It's... It makes it seem like, I don't know, like Marilyn Manson, like. Tr- all the laws off with somebody dude it's it's but like, that's not what happens it's, it also makes it sound like stockholm syndrome but like yeah. on crack because it happens in like 20 minutes yeah it's a very strange film you guys and very very different from the other mischief nights so it's weird it's because like, at its core it's the same thing like a killer on mischief night stalks a young girl in her home alone or yeah. in a home alone so but they're drastically different yes uh, came out May twentieth, uh, twenty fourteen. Uh, don't budget box office, not a zip. Um, which is funny because this film looks great. Yeah. Um, it's like very. Uh, the cinematography is great. It looks higher budget than it probably is. Yeah, I mean, and they pulled um, Malcolm McDowell, which yeah. I mean, he probably cost like forty bucks at this point uh, because he's in fucking everything. Yeah, still. it's funny, and it probably was like an hour's worth of work. He has like one scene in daylight, and then one at night, and one at night. Yeah. That's like about two minutes, if that. Um, so mixed reviews. Um, Ollie Cohen of DVD Talk wrote, Thankfully, Mischief Night was a surprisingly interesting film, one that took the old premise, mixed it up a bit, and left me pretty pretty satisfied, which is a very generous review. Yep. Um, fresh take on a classic story. Um, I don't know how fresh I felt this was. I didn't really think it was that fresh. I saw what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, and I will talk about the potential a little later on that I think it missed, but um, I think if you thought it was fresh, you just haven't seen a lot of slashers. 
Uh, yeah, one of the other reviews was clearly written by someone who loves cheesy horror flicks and all their accompanying features as it displays charming sort of self-awareness, which it does a little mm-hmm. bit, but it loses it real fast, too. Because yeah. there's, like, there is a part where she's, like, watching... She's watching a horror movie, which, by the way, that horror movie is not real because it's, like, a fucking full-blown slasher in black and white, and we all know that didn't really exist until yeah. Psycho, which isn't even technically I know. A when I was looking at it, I'm like, what is this movie? It's not real, yeah. but it's made to look like an old-school like an old school creature feature, but as a slasher. Yeah. And then um, I, there is a part, the part the most where it says, like, it says self-awareness is definitely... When he's about to kill her and she's like, I haven't had sex yet. Yeah. And he's like, well, fuck. And she's so like, it I'm plays with that whole yeah. virgin trip. No, it does. And I think this review is like, Jason Kaufman wrote, there are moments in Mischief Night where the film hits a tone that it's entirely its own. And likely what writer-director Travis Baker was aiming for with the film as a whole. Sadly, those moments are fleeting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very accurate... It's like, despite its bold ideas, it didn't ultimately succeed in the end. I hate this poster. <laughs> It feels so cheap. Um, yeah, so this poster is very similar in ways to the other one. We've got a, you know, black hooded. We've got the mask, except for this mask. The one he wears in the movie is like bright white, clean, straight from the store. And this one's like super eroded. And you know how much that bugs me when you're going to put shit on the cover that doesn't actually exist in the movie. Why? Does it make sense? If you think it looks creepier to have it eroded, should have had that in the film. Mm. Should have made it dirty. Like, you don't get to pick. <sighs> There's like the whole shiny knife and some good Photoshop work or whatever. Oh my lord. That font with the like whatever <sighs> Mischief Night. Yeah, that's fine. Like the font is um, Garamond. Like it's typical to very horror-esque that's all good um except for the fact that they did this weird ass type effect where it's like shifted and blurred and it looks like there's like lights running behind it and it just looks it looks so cheap oh my god this it looks cheap and old this poster looks 10 years dated Oh, yeah, this looks like... Yeah. So, I mean, Mischief Night from 2013 definitely looks like a straight-to-DVD post, um, like poster, straight-to-DVD, but it looks like one from 2013. This looks like one from 2000. Yeah. Like what the straight-to-DVD yeah. horror movies looked like from back then. I mean, it, the typesetting, like, the type itself is good, but how they put everything on there is just so cheap and... Um, yeah, screw you for putting a different mask on the cover. Like, no. The tagline is, he's watching you, and you know you like it. Good tagline. It is. It's super accurate to the film. Like, to the ideas that the film is playing with. Yeah, and when you read that, you'll go like, what the fuck? And then you'll watch the movie, and you'll be like, what the fuck? Uh, no sequels. No. Shocker. Mm. Um, the score, um, Jeremy Tisser... Um, this is his only full length, but he has been on the music department for things such as Jurassic World, um, Justice League animated films. Yeah, all of DC's um, like animated movies, which also have excellent scores. Yeah. So this, I think, was the cinematography and the score in this, I think, were like shining, shining lights. Um, but particularly the score. I was immediately struck by it. And it does such a good job of... This movie takes a lot of directions and, like, tonally goes in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the minor issues I had with Conjuring 2, 
with its tone where I'm like, wait, what movie is this? This movie did that like 1,000 more times. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> where like, I'm like, wait, what am I watching? It's like, like this movie's like Mean Girls. Yeah. And now this movie's like a teen comedy. Yeah. And now this movie is an actual horror movie. Yeah. And now it's like a romance. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And the score just followed fucking suit. Yeah. With every single one of those. And in the true moments of horror, um, it was super suspenseful. Um, and one of the best that we've had in one of these low-budget films, by far. Mm-hmm. And one, by far, one of the weirdest scenes is when they have this, like, montage of participating in Mischief Night. <laughs> it's so weird. It's really weird because part of me, like, loved it. And I was like, well, this is really weird but kind of great. And they're like throwing toilet paper and there's like pumpkins flying through the air. And it's this, like, really sort of whimsical montage and the score felt very um like halloween-esque but light mm-hmm. and and bright and i feel was... like if they could have carried that mood for the rest of the movie like if they had mm-hmm. totally like laid into like he she's falling in love with this guy and he's a killer but like he's a killer and they're like having fun on mischief night and like and like kind of made it like a dark comedy or whatever but like it gets so super melodramatic after uh-huh. that like that scene where he monologues i was like oh my oh that fucking was God. painful it was so bad that and then was it immediately, the lowest point of the film and immediately jumps into like late night sci-fi movie sex scene uh-huh. where like you feel like you it's almost skinamax because like there's these really weird like intimate or like quote unquote erotic scenes where like their fingers are in their fucking mouths like and like his O face is the worst thing. And she, dude, like, it's weird, too, because in most sex scenes and, like, movies, I'm used to, like, either doggy style in most, like, horror because it's, like, showing, like, oh, they're, like, having, like, quick sex uh-huh. or, like, up against the wall or, like, missionary. Dude, her fucking feet are up, like, by her, like, her legs are up so high, which, I like, I understand it's a real sex position. I'm just not used to seeing it in, like, movies. <laughs> and her feet are so fucking big she has giant feet i could not stop looking at her feet anyways it's totally so bizarre we're gonna start a second podcast where ryan just describes every sex scene in movies and how he's baffled by them (laughs) um yeah it's just weird um travis baker has this is his only feature length um he was a production assistant and researcher on hostile and savages which are very different movies as well Uh uh-huh i don't see either of those in this um, he also wrote the movie. His only other movie that he's written is called The Roman, which is in post-production right now. Uh, let's see. The cast, Brooke Ann Smith as Kaylee. She was an Aquarius, uh, that show with David Duchovny about Manson and Awkward also. Um, Mark Valera as The Man, which is what they call the, like, the intruder in this one. He was in The Soap One Day at a Time. Um, and Revenge, Revenge of Melrose, Melrose Place. So other soaps. Yeah, like, yeah, soaps. And then Malcolm McDowell, who's very famous in the horror scene. His name is, he's credited as Mr. Smiles. All the names of these characters are terrible. Yeah, uh, he's obviously been in, like, Halloween 31, Clockwork Orange. He's super, super famous and been around forever. And his scene is really, really off-putting and bizarre and just uh-huh. plays into, again, all the weird tonal shifts yeah. in this movie. He has nothing to do with it, but he no. shows up and he acts like such a fucking creep and weirdo. Uh-huh. You think like he keeps telling her like you're really pretty. Yeah, I was like, and oh, he's like gonna a be involved somehow. Sixty year age difference. Yeah, 
he's like he just shows up and he's like oh he's just like, the weird neighbor i'm yeah i'm walking around making sure everyone's okay on mischief night and he's like you're really pretty are you home alone yeah um yeah she's like yeah me and my shotgun uh it's a home invasion movie kind of uh it does try to play with that a little bit yeah and tries to flip it on its head but not in a oh god i it's like what do you say the bones are there yeah but that's what b said like there's a lot that could be good about mm-hmm. this movie if they had picked one solid tone to go with other than romance because i just think i would have no that. i think it could have really rocked and what it mostly rocked before it got into the weird like romance like stuff um that it got distracted by for a solid 30 minutes mm-hmm. um like extract that whole section from the film and it really does a good job of playing with the idea of you know here i'm like the good girl babysitter but you know maybe i'm not and i've got this crush on this boy and he's like breaking my heart she's a total bitch though oh no she is a total bitch like you hate her from the get-go yeah and you're supposed to yeah and it plays and she's very vocal about how she's different and how she feels different and she's not like as pretty on the inside as she is on the outside so i like what they're doing with all that and i get that and they make it very clear from the beginning like she's not a likable person she's not supposed to be and you're supposed to be off put by her and not really sure Mm -hmm. like her vibe or what about her and when she starts talking about like oh, these are, I have these dark thoughts and I, you know, I hurt myself and I do this and maybe we all have something inside of us. Um, I really see what they were going with. And I feel like, you know, super successful movies that have like pulled ideas like that off, like, you know, like Jennifer's Body. Yep. Like plays with that idea. Like Heathers a little. Yeah. There, it, like, there's a little bit of Heathers in yeah. this. I can see it. And you're playing with this idea of, like, the conventional popular pretty girl and sort of, like, the dark demons that can be inside them, whether that's them personally or literal dark demons. And even, like, the intruder, the man, as he's called, um, like, his whole, like, I don't hate the plot of, like, you have a killer and she, like, fights him off. And, like, and he, like, he's revealed she to just be... She beats the shit out yeah, of him. Yeah, and he's revealed to just be a man and he's, like, he has a family and, like, he's, like, a normal guy but he has this urge. Like, there's definitely good ideas here, but there's so many things they do that are so fucking weird and bizarre. And it's just, it's like, you know, that weird, I mean, the montage scene you said, like, I feel like, I was definitely laughing through that scene, but then there's that, and then immediately after, there's the weird part where they're, like, sitting outside. Also, she's supposed to be babysitting, like, a one-year-old this whole time. Um, But she's, like, sitting outside, and they're, like, staring at the stars, and they're, like, having this conversation. And then they go inside, and they just start pounding fucking tequila. After they've already, like, popped painkillers. Yeah, and she, like, puts on a song that you should not be dancing to the way she dances at all. But she dances, like, this sexy dance. And then he gives the most, like, saccharine fucking over-the-top dramatic monologue Tears included. Dude, it's like it's like when you see shows that make fun of drama from like ninth grade, that's the type of monologue he gives. Yeah. And then it goes immediately from there. Like he gives this whole monologue and it basically like goes from there to she like accepts that she's like, okay, well you gotta kill me so 
come kill me. And then he goes upstairs and then they fuck. And I'm like, this well, is Because he so... can't kill her if she's a virgin. Right. But they go upstairs and like, they even like do the thing. She's, she's laying in the bed. He gets the knife and you hear yeah. him make the noise. And you're like, is that a sex noise or is that a murder noise? Is that him entering her <laughs> with his penis or a knife? Yeah. It was definitely his penis. Yeah. And then she smears her blood on his face. Uh, As I'm watching that, because I always call Ryan sexist because he's uncomfortable with like virgin blood I'm when not he has sex. Uncomfortable with it. Like I think it's it has a place in movies, and that was not it. I don't like when it's employed as a technique to be like this is like gross. Like that's like I'm like what that's not necessary because it is gross. Well, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you in trouble. Yeah, I know. Um, no, I'm like watching that scene and like, God, my poor, poor husband next to me was like so very frustrated. Why? I don't, I just told him like, oh yeah, I have to watch this movie. Um, so I'm either going to watch it in the room or you can watch it with me. And he was like, well, I guess I'll watch it with you. And I think he severely regretted that. Um, cause the whole time for him, he just wants to figure it out. He doesn't care. He just wants to know. You'll see this one come in. A million miles away. And so, like, the, during the whole sex scene, you're trying to figure out, like, is he going to kill her during sex? That's well, what you keep thinking is going to happen. And so when she, you know, has blood on her fingers and then she puts it on his face, you're like, okay, where did that blood come from? And then my first thought was, like, well, either, like, they are stabbing each other. She stabbed him or he stabbed her or it's from her being a virgin and (laughs) it was funny because it was like 10 minutes after that whole scene was over and then my husband was just like oh that's where the blood came from and I was like "Uh uh-huh and he's like oh okay I was trying to figure out where that came from and I was like yeah yeah so it's just it's a weird movie guys and so like basically the whole thing starts with she is taking a babysitting gig for her friend Daphne because Daphne's sick and it's mischief night. And so these, like, middle schoolers show up to fuck with, her, fuck with her, and she, like, hoses them down. And, like, the first ten minutes is definitely, like, spent establishing she's a bitchy pretty girl. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's different than the other pretty girls. Um, and she likes this guy named Bram, and, like, she's talking to Daphne about him. And so Malcolm McDowell shows up, and he's, like, being all fucking weird. And then she... Um, she has a Graham, Graham shows up and like plays a prank on her and um she basically thinks that like Graham and Daphne are hooking up which pisses her off and then she tells Daphne to come over because she starts getting pranked and she's like don't use the front door though like whoever's pranking me is out by the front door Daphne shows up but she never like makes it in because we see and like we don't see who kills her but like her throat is slit and then the killer is very like clearly in the house like she goes in the living room he's hiding behind like a an armoire and that's when she beats the shit out of him and that's when they like become friends essentially like they kind of just start talking and like they develop this relationship and they They spend the night together figure out they have like similar similar urges yeah and so like all that happens and then we pretty much talk about everything that happens there's the montage there's weird dancing there's the sex scene after the sex scene she's like i want you i want to have sex again i want you to stab me while we're having sex he's like i gotta clear my head i gotta like figure this out i would like i just need to go outside and while this happens, the middle schoolers that she fucked with earlier in the movie show up, and they're also killed off screen. But like they walk into the woods and 
Two one of them are killed like off stumbles screen. out. Yeah, one of them like, stumbles out. Intestines with, are his out. intestines are. He's literally holding like prop intestines in his hands yeah. and like spills them out. Um, so then that happens, and the killer, and then it shows like the killer in the house again, and he's trying to find her, and he goes into the garage to tell her like I'm out of here, I'm leaving. Um, I really like you, but like this is just too weird. And well, and during that point, we he picked up the phone. And talk oh, to yeah. Graham, and we find out that in this whole subplot, like for the most part, the movie is not stupid and doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's where totally you inconsistent, go. but yeah, but it doesn't have any like plot points where you're just like, oh my god, like this is this is. It's not like the other film where you're just like, oh my god, characters are making stupid decisions. But they did this whole plot seems like really weird, and they couldn't figure out how to get this in. They're like, oh, so I actually really like Kaylee. It's Graham on the phone. And me and Daphne were just pretending to be hooking up as, like, a prank tonight. And I really like her. And can you just tell her that? Like, I think I screwed up because he sees, like, the jerk written on his car. And I'm like, okay, that makes no sense. He, like, goes up and, like, pretends to, like, forget her name. And they're apparently, like, talking. And if you're talking in this day and age, you're texting and your friends on social media. You don't fucking forget each other's names. It's not like... When even when we were in high school, where you could like kind of be flirting with somebody like in person, you only really see them at school, and mm-hmm. even then, like you're not gonna forget the name, but whatever, it's just weird and seems kind of forced. The only reason I did it is because like they use it at the very end. Because basically, what happens so the killer tells Graham, like, you should come over and fix things, and then he goes to tell Lindsay that or Kaylee he goes to tell Kaylee, like, I'm out of here, and Kaylee. It has Daphne's head and is carving a jack-o'-lantern in it. And Very trick-or-treat style. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So she's carving a jack-o'-lantern out of her friend's skull, and he's like, what the fuck? And she stabs him, and basically she kind of gives, like, her evil villain monologue of, like, I'm different too. You know, like, I, you're not the only one who has these sensations of, like, wanting to kill people. Fred that guts to go through with it. Yeah, so then, flash forward, like, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, the parents come home, they see all these dead bodies in their yard, and middle schoolers are literally dead strewn across their lawn. They run in, and she's playing like the victim and it's like he came in and he came after the baby um like I, I had to kill him to save the baby and then like graham shows up and the whole reason that weird thing was shoehorned in is like basically he like cooperates the story because he's like yeah i called and he was like yeah come over here like he was luring me over mm-hmm. um and then the very end he's like is there anything graham's like is there anything i can do for you and she's like i just want him to be alone she hugs him and she winks at the, camera, the camera yeah, breaks which the is ball. yeah a very like that's another one of the self-aware things. Yeah. Um, I know. The whole, like, it does a lot of... Uh, mm, mm. It just has... Maybe I won't say this because I don't want to spoil that movie. I don't know if it's been out long enough. What movie? Never mind. But it's very similar to a movie that flips the whole home invasion thing on its head that came out last year. Um, and, like, reminded me of it a lot. You'll have to tell me. Um, yeah, so favorite kill in the movie is definitely, well, um, okay, yeah. B typed it out for me. She's 100% right. Uh, but I for your sake, guys. it's only been out for like a year, and I don't want to spoil that movie for you guys. Yeah. So. Um, none of the kills are great, but the carving of the face into a jack-o'-lantern is awesome. No, that's so cool. Yeah. And like one of my favorite reveals in the Trick or Treat yeah um movie um i mean i love the first kill with daphne like because it surprised me 
because the way that the movie was going and then all of a sudden her fingers are fucking cut off and then she stabs her in the throat. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, everything she does to Daphne is definitely the best. The yeah. intestine thing is pretty goofy. And it the, is. The way she kills the killer is very anticlimactic. It's yeah. like one stab to the neck. Uh, no position again in the horror landscape again. These are both like pretty low budget. We've never heard. I mean, that doesn't mean much. But, yeah. I mean, newer movies we've never heard of. Um, they've kind of like missed. I've haven't really heard people talk about it. Even went like on my letterbox out of curiosity because I'm friends with a lot of people from the Shockwaves group, and there's only a couple people who had this rated. Um, so you're welcome. We're exposing you guys to. All the slashers from all the times. Yeah, so you can also find Mischief Night 2013 about the blind girl. Um, on Tubi TV on Tubi for TV. free. Yep. And you can own um, Mischief Night like from 2014 like I do on Amazon Prime for $5.99. Yeah. Or if you don't want to own it, you can rent it on Amazon Prime for $5.99. No, $3.99. Oh, if you get it's it a, standard. Yeah. I'm not going to watch anything in standard. Uh, I watched that movie in standard death. I was not going to. A watch. $2 difference? Yeah. You watch it in standard? Yeah, charge it to my mom's credit card. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've 30 years old. I've Venmoed her for it. Don't worry about did. it. Uh, so we're going to rank these. If you go to keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. Sorry, I know we're running a little longer than normal. Um, just barely though, which is pretty good for covering two movies. But keepscreaming.com slash the dash list, uh, has right now we are up to movie. We're, Cry Wolf was our 23rd episode. Okay. So this would be our 24th and 25th movie. Yes. Um, at the bottom of the list, we do have Cry Wolf and April Fool's Day, but please go back and listen to those episodes because you will understand why they're at the bottom. We do very much like those movies. Um, and at the top of our list, we still have My Bloody Valentine, uh, which has been reigning supreme for quite a while now. And probably will continue to reign large um we're missing movies on this list though right so we are missing the thing is that's so funny that i just realized we should do like we're pretty good we have like really detailed notes but we never write down where we rank the films and then i listen to the episodes on my commute and then it's not like i'm i'm in the car i'm not writing anything down so then when i go to update the list i'm like wait where did we rank that so we're behind. The only thing that's not on the list is Cry Wolf, um, Cry Wolf and um, Girls' Night Out. Oh, right. And I can't really remember where we ranked those movies. I know Cry Wolf is, we just did that last week, 19? Or not 19, but Technically like... Technically 20th. The, April Fool's Day would be like 21st. Did we rank Cry Wolf last? No. We no. ranked it above April Fool's Day, but we ranked them back to back because both of them are similar and Right, in but their... above... Or below Slaughter High. Correct. Yeah. Because at least Slaughter High is a true slasher, like, through and through. Yes. Um, and Girls' Night Out, I have no recollection to where we ranked that. I blacked out that episode because I hated that movie so much. <laughs> very, I think we ranked it, like... Uh, Pretty low. Very low. Yeah. I, I got it. Mm, man. It's really hard to look at these movies we have at the bottom of the list and rank these above. Like, technically, yes, there are things that work better, but they are just like, they're really straight to DVD movies. And, like, you can they're tell. They're so weird. They're so weird. Yeah. Like, they're both such of them are so films. bizarre. They made such weird choices. And, like, I think that is like everything we have covered up until this point have been major theatrical releases. And like, no. Oh, we covered by Super Psycho Sweet 16. That was it. Okay, so they've either been like theatrical releases or cult classics. So, oh, most likely to die. Yeah. Low budget. Classic. 
That isn't a cult That's classic. That's the closest, the closest to like low budget. Most likely to die. Is that a cult classic? That movie came out like three years ago. Nobody talks about it. I rank these. <laughs> I rank these. Under curtains for sure. Were there things that were cool? Yes. Is anything going to say like the killers? The killer's motive in the 2013 doesn't exist, and those they're not interesting. No. Uh, like they're not able to capture what makes the killers and the strangers scary. The killer's motive in 2014 is bad. It's like so over the top, like forced, and then like well, our supposed killer, and then they twist it, and it kind of works, but they never like lean heavily enough into it. The score is in the 2014 one. I say like I think the 2014 one is better than the 2013 one, even mm-hmm. though it is totally much more inconsistent. It's a better movie. But I think the kills in the 2013 one are definitely better. Because we get the like gushing blood throat slap or throat stab and the chainsaw kill. Yeah. And there's more like she, it has more of the formula. She runs away. The guy in the truck like tries to save her. And then. So I would almost say like as a slasher, the 2013 one is a better slasher movie. It is. Yeah. It's definitely a better slasher. And the thing is, is that just because 2014 mischief night is playing with the slasher genre and it is and it's trying to like twist it and it's trying to twist the home invasion that could gain it a lot of points on the list look at happy death day mm-hmm. but it has to do it really well yeah it has to do it better than the formula and it has and to it, do it better than it did and it didn't because it just do that. jumps around it, so it, much it can't land like on what i said it wants. good bones yeah just not a lot of good blood or muscles or <laughs> anything or meat <laughs> Uh, so I ain't no meat on those bones. I rank. Oh I rank. Hmm. Twenty. God, I really feel like people are gonna be mad if we put them over Terror Train. <laughs> people are so mad at us over Terror Train uh, forever, forever. And Slaughter High. Aaron loves Slaughter High. Oh God. Aaron, we love you, by the way. Um. Is that was his consensus? I saw he watched it. I, I thought he really enjoyed it. I didn't it. catch up with yeah, his Yeah, I'm pretty sure he really liked it. Um, it's a movie. The sex scene in that movie is awesome. That's true. Dude, honestly, <laughs> I might rank them under Slaughter High. They're just like... They're not fun. and like, it's <laughs> But not, that's not what we're ranking. No, I know. But So is it a better slasher than... Honestly... 2013 might be yeah a it's a better slasher slaughter than slaughter high i don't know if it's better than terror train i don't think it is i don't think it is i'll give terror train like a slight sliver of um satisfaction and the fact that it does a better job of you know following the formula even though it doesn't but i think it's bad <laughs> i think that's a bad yeah. movie yeah. and i think that uh, it doesn't follow its own formula with the reigning fucking scream queen such a misuse of talent um you know it still does it better than so then i okay so i agree okay. so 2013 mischief night is after terror train before slaughter high right and is 2014 under slaughter high that is our question then i think slaughter has a better slasher they're both fucking mm-hmm. weird they're but so when it comes weird. down to it slaughter high is a better slasher movie yeah and I mean, uh-huh. and there's just not the score is good, and it has some good ideas, but I don't think there's enough to qualify it as like a better. How do we justify platform. curtains? I need to go back and listen to that episode. Um, because that fucking scene. Also, curtains does a lot of like cool setup stuff, 
let's rewatch curtains. <laughs> I mean, I love, I genuinely love curtains. But now, like, looking at our list, I'm forgetting because it's been a while since we've seen it and I haven't listened to the episode since it came out. I mean, to be fair, it's very low. Like, oh, it is very I mean, low. It's very low on the list. It's only above I'm trying to find what, yeah. Because of that hag kill is yeah. so good. Um, and, I mean, there are some other things in it I think that work really well. It has I, a very good final act. I think Blood Rage needs to be higher on this list. We'll reevaluate the list one day. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, okay, so then I'm putting 2013... Above Terror Train, no, above Slaughter High, yeah. and putting 2014 below Slaughter High. Yes? Or do you think Slaughter High needs to be? No. I can't. No, I think Slaughter High is better. Yeah. Do people actually die? Yeah. Well, no. No. It's a dream. I know, see? But like the nurse is killed and the doctor is killed and the people in the beginning, whoever dies in the beginning of the movie is actually killed. It's just anything that happens in the f- jump forward. There's amount of, there's the same amount of kills. Only three people die in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, Slaughter High is a better slasher. Okay, cool. That is our new ranking. So we'll get the actual numbers to you guys yeah. next week. We'll update all this, I promise. But um, I still, listen, just because they're low, like lower ranked, this list is ever growing and I Honestly, if you are like a consume it all slasher movie, there are way worse slashers. Oh, one yeah, one hundred. Like I've seen so much worse, like low budget yeah. affair. And again, there's a lot of good like ideas here. They just don't have the budget or the time or the correct cast to like really execute on those things. And I think one of the these things... these were like three stars for me. I like, think I enjoyed them, and I'm glad I watched them. And I do think that they offer certain things and i'd be interesting to see especially with the 2014 one i'd be really interested to see that director with maybe like somebody else's script yes i agree um i think one of the things that's like gives these movies in the 80s an edge is the further we get into modern era like it's really hard to be endearingly campy Mm-hmm. because you either have to go super over the top and like really in your face like no look we're like we're intentionally being campy like like dude bro party massacre mm-hmm. three or you have to make something and this is how these movies were made like terror train and slaughter high you make something that like you really poured your heart into that like and that's why plan nine from outer space is so famous because like it just didn't work but there's so much passion there that it mm-hmm. shines through um, and I think, like, the 80s was that era of, like, sl- like slasher movies were all the rage. And so, like, people were, like, really putting work into trying to make their slasher work. And, like, they were gimmicky and they were crazy and they had, like, I mean, like... And they were trying, because the market was so saturated at that time, they were just desperate to be, like... Different. Different. Yeah. Like, okay, like, what can we do that's not going to be the 20 that came out this year? We're now... I mean, we don't get slashers. I mean, we're getting the we're slasher getting. renaissance. Yeah, they're happening. I mean, Halloween comes out this Thursday. We will not be and watching happy it. Happy Death Day too, not too far. Yeah, behind. February. Yeah, so um, I thank God for Blumhouse. Um, yeah, so no, the resurgence is coming, but it's been a dry ten years. Decade, yeah, yeah. For real. Um, but yeah, so that is our new ranking. We'll get the numbers, like I said, next week, and we'll let you guys know. I think we've got one more Halloween movie in us before the month is up, so we'll try to find something. I need to rewatch Night of the Demons and see if it even, like, really qualifies as a slasher. Yeah, there's a few things that got suggested that all, like, we'll tap into and see. And I know, I know, I know, I know, like, the complaints about us not doing Halloween, but... 
Yeah, well, we got to figure it out. But yeah. like, we've Couple said it a hundred times. It's just really hard to do because we know that it's going to rank really high and we just don't want it sitting there forever. Um, but we want to figure out a way to try to get to the sequels too without doing the original or I don't know. We got to figure it out. Um, and I know we got to figure it out because there's lots of franchises like that. There's, you know, four major franchises. Friday, Halloween, Child's Play, and Texas that we really need to, like to realistically cover. Um, and Scream, so five. Uh, so, yeah, we'll figure those out one day. But until then, you get movies like Mischief Night. Yeah, so you're welcome. Yeah, so go follow us on all social media at Screaming Cast. We're on Facebook now. That, that one you can just look up Keep Screaming. Um, keep reaching out to us on Twitter. We really appreciate having conversations with you guys. Aaron, Brennan, classic material. Maybe one day we'll know your actual name. Um, and we'll be back in two weeks with one more Halloween-themed movie. Until then, keep screaming!